0: Hello, this is Jill Shaw, and you're listening to our new series, Catalysts During the COVID-19 Crisis, brought to you by the Shaw Family Foundation. During these times of uncertainty and change, we have seen many organizations and leaders throughout the city of Boston and across the state adapt and respond to the COVID-19 crisis, forging ahead to accomplish their missions and solving new problems along the way. In each of these short episodes, we will talk with one of these change agents and understand how they've had to adapt as they respond to this crisis. Today, we are joined by Tim Daly, founding partner of Ed Navigator.
1: Hi, Tim. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Nice to be with you. Yeah,
0: I'm glad you're here. Um, we recently taped a podcast which will be released in a few weeks, um, so I want to quickly remind folks um, what Ed Navigator does. Can you give us kind of the quick...
1: Yes, absolutely. We help uh, families navigate school. So uh, in normal times, that means uh, uh, having uh, a clear sense of how their kids are doing, making very good strategic choices about what schools they're in, uh, what supports they're getting, and what their long-term plans are. And uh, under these unusual times, it sort of means triaging all the new stuff that's come along.
0: So... Before we talk about that, because you're spending so much time with um, parents and families, can you talk a little bit about this topic of learning loss or um, reading and hearing so much about um, what is happening because of the disparities in teaching and learning, um, I think across school systems, um, across the country. What, what do you see happening in terms of leaning, learning loss and, and kids' abilities to access um, school? While so under,
1: under normal circumstances, uh, kids learn quite a bit when they're in school and they learn much less when they're not in school. So if you imagine that a, a traditional calendar has 10 months a year when kids are in school and two months a year or so when they're not in school, we have known for a long time that there is this this kind of um, summer learning slide that happens. And in, in real practical terms, what it means is there are plenty of kids, who do better on an assessment in May before they lo- leave school for the year than they do on that same assessment when they come back to school in, say, September? So it, it means that not only are you not performing at the same level, you you tend to fall off a little bit once school Isn't gets humming. All funding, kids, Jim? Is that Kevin Alls? Yeah, that all kids? yeah so t- t- there there is a where um, in the summer students tend to lose a little bit. It is definitely not an equal effect across all demographic groups so students from homes where their parents are more educated students with uh, more affluence they tend to lose less and often in the summer they're engaged in camps or other types of activities that uh, allow them to retain more of what they had from the school year and we've known for a long time that particularly in reading uh, that uh, students from lower-income families tend to need more time to catch up. So some of them don't get back to where they were in May until October, which means that the the beginning of many school years is a um, a process of uh, revving up and replacing some of the learning loss that happened over the summer.
0: So then what's happening right now when kids are on this massive break from physical school? Yeah. Could it account- so- It could end up being quite dramatic in terms of loss.
1: It could end up being quite dramatic. The the true answer is we don't know because we just don't have that many uh, points of comparison for this. And so there have been folks that did uh, projections that give us some sense of what could happen. Uh, So let's talk about two different scenarios. One of them, uh, one scenario to imagine is that instead of having a two-month summer break, that the summer break is extended by say two months more, two and a half months, meaning that um, a student is getting next to nothing in terms of remote learning during the uh, school closures and they're functioning very much like they would on a summer break. So they're uh, entertaining themselves, they're watching some TV shows, they might occasionally pick up a book to read it for fun, but what they're experiencing academically is nothing like school. In that scenario, the projection is that uh, students in in that situation could experience very dramatic learning loss because it will um, amplify pretty substantially the normal amount of fall off that we see in the summer and some of the uh, the initial projections uh, have suggested that students in that type of situation may come back in the fall and be performing as much as a year behind where they would have been had they uh, gone to school as normal all the way through the end of the school year. So it could be quite large. On the other hand, there's the possibility that uh, of, of everything in between. So there are some students that are getting some learning at home during this time, and we don't know whether that will mitigate some of the loss or a lot of the loss. There are some students who are who are doing all kinds of things out of school now. Some of them are probably doing as much or more as they ever did in school, and their parents may be spending more time with them than before, and they may have found some online things that they really love, and, and maybe those things are helping them quite a bit. Um, and so we just don't know. Uh, I assume that house to house, district to district, we will see some variation, but what, what districts and schools likely should be planning for is that there will be a substantial number of students uh, whose uh, whose performance in the fall is not where they would have been otherwise. And I think that's safe to say.
0: So, so let's think. So, I want to hear about the now, right now. Um, and I want to just read a quick piece uh, from a quick segment from uh, an op-ed that was written by the Boston Teachers Union. Um, BTU and BPS, Boston Public Schools, came mm-hmm. to an agreement on remote learning earlier this week, and so this was published in the Globe uh, a few days ago. Um, it says, our collective solutions must call for more than just better online platforms. There must be a societal shift that prioritizes the immediate and basic needs many families faced before the pandemic began. If children are hungry, they cannot concentrate. If a family cannot afford a medical co-payment, they can't purchase a new laptop. If students are taking care of younger siblings um, or working during the day to support their family, they are not attending virtual classroom, classes. If their parents have lost their jobs or are unsure about their next meal, responding to calls and emails from teachers, although well-intentioned is just not a priority. So Tim, what do you, what do you think about um, the article? And has that, I, I'm sure that it these current times have changed the way That you're working, um, maybe even created incremental work for Ed Navigator.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in it. And families are facing exceptional challenges with things like access to the internet and not having devices. And that's on top of the stress that they feel about their economic situation and access to food and anxiety about about the whole outbreak and their, their, um, their health and well-being. So I think that that is right. And it is um, smart for us to think about how we make fundamental shifts so any uh, crises like this don't exacerbate inequality. And that's what what I hear in the op-ed. And I think that's that's absolutely legitimate. This has exposed some really big gaps that we need to fill. Um, and I think there's, there's probably, um, we want to give everybody some benefit of the doubt here and ex- expecting parents overnight, even under these constraints, to... Um, to be able to supervise full days of learning and to to sort of um, begin running homeschool operations is, is a really tall order. And um, so I think it, it, it is smart for us to be reasonable about how much we expect. I do think, though, that on the other hand, we need to be careful about assuming too little of parents as well. In many cases, we see that families... Um, even under really difficult circumstances where both parents have maybe become recently unemployed and they may be um, using, you know, the most um, inexpensive internet option that's been made available to them, they're still making it work and they're, they're doing quite a bit. And um, they, they are searching for resources. They're trying to keep their kids busy. They're desperate for any type of information. We hear from them all the time. And um, so I want to be careful also about assuming too little. Of families and and too little about their capability, and we sometimes hear uh, narratives that come dangerously close to um, "don't do anything right now, um, just right. let it be." And, and I don't right. think that that serves families well.
0: Yeah. So, and and how are you finding interactions with uh, the school systems um, with whom you deal kind of on a regular basis? Are 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 they open and available, or is it is it more difficult to? help uh, navigate right now?
1: I'll preface this by saying I think everybody is trying as hard as they can. And I, I truly do believe that. I think folks are, are, are um, in uncharted waters that they never had planned for or expected. Um, and uh, so I, I want to give them all a little bit of, of slack, but it is mm-hmm. really all over the map. And it's not just all over the map district to district. It's all over the map classroom to classroom there are um, there are places where schools got up and running within days of schools shutting down and they worked with what they had so if they were able to do a heavy amount of online remote learning and students had the capability to do things like zoom they were doing that but there were also places where tablets or um, laptops were in short supply or internet was an issue and we saw them very quickly adapting to things like phone calls Um, almost every family has a phone in the home And so we Mm -hmm. saw teachers reaching out and say, how are you doing? What what do you have in the home? What can you get? Um, And we'll work from there. So some really nice examples of adjusting on the fly and prioritizing human contact and communication. There are other places where uh, we talk to families and they say, I've heard from school two times in six weeks. They sent one packet home and it was enough work for two hours. And that's all I've had. Um, Or I've had to email over and over again, you know, to get, Uh, Things Mm. sent home, so um, I would say there, there are. It really is all over the map, and there, there may be a reason, you know, why why a teacher is struggling to get things out. But, um, but I wouldn't paint it with a broad brush because I do think there is just so much variation, and in many cases, it's what a teacher or a class, excuse me, a teacher or a school can figure out on their own.
0: Yeah, and it's probably too soon to really imagine the after this crisis. But do you? Think that it will change your work?
1: I do, yeah. Um, I think for one thing, we shouldn't just focus on how do we get schools restarted. You know, I think there's some very nice um, thinking that is emerging about what it might mean to have hygiene protocols in place for hand washing and keeping. Um, the number of students in a classroom limited. I think that's great, but we also need to think about the long-term and the short-term differently. For some students, I think the academic recovery process will take several years because of how far behind they fall. And when I say the short-term, I think the the part of this scenario that folks are are overlooking and that not enough uh, strategy is being put into is summer. And that is because in some cases, school will let out for the year and there will still be stay at home orders in place. So students Mm -hmm. will need to still be at home, but schools will not be sending anything. And those phone calls and Zooms and things from the teachers are going to stop. And what are parents going to do then when they can't send their kids to parks, they can't go to the pool? And and, um, I really think that we ought to be uh, anticipating that and putting supports in place for what could be a really unusual summer.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So on that topic, for individuals who are listening or other nonprofits, what sorts of support um, do you need right now? Uh, What sorts of things need to be supported? And how do folks who want to support Ed Navigator's work um, do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, One one thing is that we we need to um, get information to families in um, in a relatively kind of bite-sized way that they can manage. One thing that we heard loud and clear at the beginning of this is parents don't want emails forwarded to them with like a hundred links to learning sites that they don't have time to check out. Um, so one thing I would really encourage is folks who work in the academic space at the district level focus on curating things that are good and getting them to families in, in bite-sized chunks. So for example, we send something every day called One Great Thing for Tomorrow that is meant to help families prepare for the next day. And we will probably transition in the summer to doing something similar with less frequency that is meant to support families who's, whose kids are at home. And basically it's, uh, it goes from at-home school to at-home summer camp. Um, so that's one thing that I think folks can help with is um, think about what, what parents need and mobilize educators and districts and schools to, to create some of that content. A second really important thing is that a lot of publishers and and, uh, curriculum providers took down their paywalls during the outbreak so students could Mm -hmm. access materials that normally would require a subscription and they can now access those things for free. So Scholastic has done that. Um, That's been hugely helpful. Um, Some of the other um, sites that uh, Prodigy Math is is now free and those things are, are great resources I want to, to emphasize how important it is that those paywalls stay down all the way through the summer. Because for some mm. students that may have been inching along, they can still continue to do things over the summer and, and they should. And I wanna make sure that we don't see at the end of May and the beginning of June, all these paywalls going back up um, and that includes some of the other streaming content providers. For example, um, Netflix has made some great documentaries available for free on YouTube, and we know a lot of students are accessing those. Uh, let's keep them up at least until September. Um, yeah, I think that's great. really important too.
0: And what about individuals who want to support Ed Navigator, which because you're really doing high touch um, navigation and support for families who need that kind of support in navigating of what schools are offering, whether they're whether we're in normal school or we're in these current times. And and so folks who want to support kind of that high touch care, how, how do they support you?
1: Um, it's a, a great question. We we would like to support through employers who may even have folks on furlough. We, we would like to work with employers to ensure that they are supporting their employees and we know that they want to. It's really difficult right now. Uh, we, we, for instance, work with a lot of hotels whose operations basically ceased in, in mm. March and they, they don't know when they're going to be able to reopen. We have made a commitment to them that we will stick with their families. And even though um, they are not able to, to underwrite some of the costs for the work that we're doing right now. We've told them we're not going to leave families in the lurch when they um, are in such a crisis point. And so I think one thing that we need is um, we, we need support to continue working with employers who, frankly, won't be able to contribute to this, but I think their heart is in it. So, for instance, hospitals that have a lot of frontline employees who have been working around the clock they may not have been able to monitor their kids learning and we would like to be able to make support available to them and so something that that folks can do is if you have connections to employers that would like to be a part of this have them get in touch with us and also anybody who who wants to ensure that the the frontline healthcare workers who have been keeping us healthy and safe during this epidemic have support um, we would like to connect with them and figure out what we can do together
0: so, Tim, how, how do folks give to you directly?
1: They can visit our website, which is ednavigator.com, or they can email me and I can uh, help them do that, tim.daily at ednavigator.com.
0: All right, Tim, that is terrific. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I have to say that I am signed up for one great thing for tomorrow, Your um, the email that you mentioned. I strongly suggest that anyone who's listening to this podcast go to your website and sign up for it. I find it. Fantastic, especially the prompt for dinner conversations. Yes. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Tim Daly, the founding partner of Ed Navigator. In this challenging time, we have observed individuals and organizations banding together to support each other. Superhuman acts of kindness happen every day, the effects of which are exponential. Needs that existed before the crisis have not gone away, and new needs present themselves every day. We can all be a part of solutions that positively impact our community, and we'll keep bringing you quick interviews with impactful leaders to inform and inspire you. To support the work of Tim and Ed Navigator, please go to www.ednavigator.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and help us spread the word by sharing it with your friends and family. Have a great day and stay safe.